I just got completely. What was I gonna say? Cargo's got his um, baggage. Cargo baggage. <laughs> oh, it, but it happened um, in my head. It was funny as shit. so drunk the homies came over and i woke up and i didn't have a hangover everything was all good man i checked my vital signs i checked my bank account and that shit didn't have a minus sign bro you won't believe this shit my check engine light was off up in the whip and i turned on the tv and i caught a sound bites good news ray rice and chris brown died the sunshine got me warm like a lap dance started making music for track tascam my neighbor told me my shit turned him to a rap fan and that fucking raccoon isn't in my trash can usually the line's 108 but we went out to breakfast and there wasn't a wait it got me feeling like today it couldn't go better i'm back camp front this is the greatest shit ever See, I'm usually broke, but today, man, I just got paid. You couldn't kill my vibe if you tried, man, there ain't no Welcome way. Welcome to Atlas Pop, a weekly chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 11, entitled, An Epic Collision of Hair. All right, good evening, Jack. Welcome to Atlas Box. It's good to see you. You too, my friend. Greetings and salutations. Greg, it's great to see you. It's great to be here. Joe, it's good to see you. Good to see you again. Nice. Well said. Okay, so week eight is now in the bag. And first up, we had St. Cash just crushing lethal injection. And when I take a look at this game here, 46 to 29, uh, St. Cash just had great contributions across the board, uh, spe- specifically Jake Lamb again for, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, giving him uh, quite a few points. The Red Sox pitching staff, when we were interviewing him last week, he was dangling out possibly as trade bait. They had the highest score of the week for any player or staff at 13 points. Just really rushed lethal injection. We actually saw on the story that Coach Chris was interviewed, and a quote was captured on that interview. He was asked about the win after the game, and he said, I fed my players a steady diet of crack cocaine and Ensure brand supplemental drink. To be honest with you, at this point in the clubhouse, I feel kind of scared for my life. Guys, what do you think about this game? Uh, I think it's just a further continuation on the theme of this year, which it's completely unpredictable. You know, uh, we talked about it last week, how we all feel uh, have a difficulty predicting who's going to win most of these divisions, uh, Mikey was the exception. Mikey was the the person that we felt had had that going away. Even Chris last week when we interviewed him said that he didn't really feel like he had a chance. But, you know, to Tim's point last week, Mikey is feast or famine. I believe this was the division I was willing to put my house up on. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and uh, obviously uh, that's going the opposite way. Yeah, Chris had a, a great game. Chris performed uh, again above and beyond expectations for his team. That Red Sox staff getting a 13 is huge. Prices back. Who knows? Um, and then Mikey's team just completely laid an egg. What do we think that Mikey's team is going to level off being? Is it this terrible team from last week? Is it the team that kicked ass several weeks and, and got off to a great start? You know, what is their level? Where are they going to end up? 
and it may just be a, a, a back and forth situation for him. You know, he, it's funny he talked about consistency. Yeah, he's got Ames, who was the, the hottest guy in the league a, a couple weeks in, went one for 17 this week. Again, it was on his bench. You know, Davis on his bench did have a 5.8. So, you know, maybe he's coming back. You know, my, my confidence in Mikey's team honestly had more to do with the, the weakness of his division. And, you know, even Mike's dad dropped uh, 47 this week. So, uh, you know, this, this we've been talking about parity all year, and this thing may be thicker than we even thought. Yeah, Mikey's team batting average for last week was 214. I'm going to go yeah. on record and say that it's the it's the bad Mikey's team that we're going to see. When you're relying upon either of the Davises, when you're relying upon a guy who was banished to Japan and just made it back, this division is back wide open again, and it's anybody's division. And again, yeah, Boston with Price coming back. Uh, you know, the Indians as well. They they kind of faltered for the first time this season. For Mikey, there was a, uh, what, seven, six and a half, seven point difference between the staffs. Not that that would have saved him. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, we may have ourselves uh, is, may even see Mike's dad get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell not? I don't think that's going to happen. Well, let's mo- let's move over to um, the street people versus Jack's Wax Packs, where Jack scored forty eight points and beat Pops, who scored forty seven points. This was in question until late in the evening East Coast time. This was a game that was back and forth all week long. Yeah, I um again, yeah, this is one of those wonderful uh games where you go to bed thinking you lost and uh and you wake up uh Dickerson, one of the uh, HQ leaders, Longoria, put me over actually uh late night in the extra innings game. So Merry Christmas. Yeah, I will I will take it. The Dodgers again consistent, steady 11.9. However, this week that 11.9 was fairly mediocre. Uh, in fact, the Astros staff, Mike's dad staff, is 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 the one staff that's been better than the Dodgers throughout the season. They beat me by a couple points, but there were six, I believe, staffs with uh, scores of ten or better this week, which is uh, which is a little abnormal. That kind of stood out. Pops's team is ugly. Let's face it. I mean, uh, Jack's right on the money with the HQ for Longo. Again, if I lose to to Justin Bohr, if I lose to Derek Norris, if I lose to friggin' Castro, I swear to God. So <laughs> thankfully. I uh, I pulled it out. Uh, it was a uh, an embarrassing win, but I'll take it. I, I have and lost to that team. And and your mediocre catcher that you traded for was almost exactly the difference in the game. You know, it's funny. I I appreciate you bringing that up because I, I believe that the, that he was mocked a bit last week, and I, I would like to point out that um, you know I I do believe that the experience that uh, that Yadier Molina has brought to the team. And um, I think it's just what my squad needed. He was mocked, and and I don't appreciate that. The catcher whisperer. (laughs) So 47 Ronin uh, against the Dreamers. This was the most boring game of the week. 47 Ronin won 49 to 39, and that was about the closest it was for the last four days of the week. I, again, had a higher scoring pitching staff on the bench as opposed to starting, but it didn't really make much difference this week. And uh, I think my only thinking here was I wasted a lot of points on a win and <laughs> I won't ever get those points back. So I think Charlie Blackman, I think player of the week, he had a nine for you. That's disgusting. So have the dreamers just thrown in the towel for this, this season? Or are they just praying that guy? I mean, we know um, that Freeman's not coming back anytime soon, but you know, that, array of injuries which is a legitimate uh, situation there have they given up are they ever even entering into territory of violating one of the unwritten rules of the league you do got donaldson coming back you got story back um so that should help them 
personally starting to write them off. Again, everybody's mixed up in this league, but it seems like you're starting to see some patterns here and there. And yes, the Freeman being being gone is huge. So, well, and this division just got a big shakeup though, because with Trout out for a month, true, there goes a huge chunk of points for me every week that. I'm just not going to, you can't replace those unless you guys want to give me an extra roster spot or something that I can play 10 guys and (laughs) you'll play nine. I mean, they're, they're not doing anything on the trade front. Are they, are they picking players up even? I mean, there are some serviceable guys out there that could be some short-term bridges for these situations, you know, um, especially at first base. I mean, there's no shortage of guys who on any given week might deliver something a little bit more than Brandon Belt, let's face it. Well, Brandon Belt had a five and a half last week. He's, he's on the bench. It's really interesting because Dusty is a, he's a Giants fan. They have two Giants on the bench, but Belt's had a pretty good season so far. Had two dingers, um, you know, had a pretty good batting average there. Uh, I think they're probably thinking they can take one of their pitching staffs and spin it off for some players. But, you know, Freeman being out uh, two and a half months is, I mean, that's basically the rest of the season. That's right. I mean, yeah, and weather the storm. I mean, this, we're, we're, we're approaching the midway point of our season. Uh, we're on the cusp of that, at least. You know, a third of it's in, in the, you know, no, almost midway. So what are they waiting for? Well, I think I think the point would be, if I would guess, I have the only one's information. You, you put Donaldson in for Castellanos, and you put uh, Story in for one of your middle infielders, probably Pedroia. That's a that's a pretty competitive team. Santana's no slouch at first. And and, and what what they've done, and no offense to them, because it's what you know with what they had to work with. Quite honestly, what they've done is is essentially, if you really look at it, they put together a team that isn't really attractive on the trade front. In order to 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 trade, they would have to sacrifice youth, which I don't think they're willing to do at this point. They got the Sanchez's, they got the Seegers, they have a very solid minor league base, but outside of that, you know, Dustin Pedroia is not knocking anyone's socks off at this point. At you know, at, at his age, Yasiel Puig. I mean, again, Kiermaier is is a solid fantasy player for what he's worth, but he doesn't have any value on the trade front. I mean, even you could get something for Trumpo at this point. I but again, if you're you're you know making a run. Again, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about folding and rebuilding? Or are we talking about making a run? So they're just in a, a they're in that um, that weird place, the um, in between a rock and a hard place on the trading front. Anyway, moving on over to Reardon Metal and the Funk and Punks, uh, another close game, forty two point eight to forty point two five. Did you say the Trout is out, Joe? Till at least the thirtieth, he's on the disabled list. Yep, as of today. Wow. Well, he still got you a 6.2, so certainly helped you win. The Nationals oh, yeah. are, are coming up. And uh, just those two, you know, the the National staff and, and Mike Trout, again, really with, you know, this is one where I think you needed that win. I, you know, I think this was really good, and you've, you've got another W. But, again, an important one, as we talked about the Dreamers, I think they've got some players coming back. You still feeling confident yourself now knowing that you've got a, a gap there with Trout? Well, that is the one injury I couldn't afford. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. You know, it's a, I'm playing the, the top team so far this week. Don't have a lot of confidence this week. I, I, Mikey, next week, it could go either way. So, so Joe, what was the corresponding roster moves associated with Trout? Not not at this They They thought he was going to actually play today, and then all of a sudden it's, oh, he's got a, a torn ligament, going to have to have surgery. I, I just saw that just before I came in here. You know, that's huge, obviously. Um, however, when you had made that trade with, with Greg there and opened up that spot for uh, where Altuve was, and essentially what you had done for your team is kind of shifted 
Machado, right, from uh, third to middle infield. So the replacement for Altuve was Moustakas. At the time, while I obviously loved, you know, Posey, adding Posey, I thought you might be in trouble by utilizing Moustakas instead of Altuve, that that was going to be a huge drop. That guy's gotten you five since then. So, you know, for whatever reason, however you are able to do it, you, uh, you're you able to fill that gap. And this is a big one for you to fill. But, you know, you, you just need to get somebody in there. These, you're, you're not going to get <laughs> – you ain't getting no sevens out of nobody off the waiver wire, Tiger. But uh, – <laughs> No, this is true. So, so who's the next man up that would normally have been riding the pine who you've uh, brought in there and thrust the weight of the world upon his shoulders in this, you know, well, only because he's race. only because he's playing lesser pitching staffs. I put uh, Marwin Gonzalez in there to replace him. Mike Trout, Marwin Gonzalez. Okay, yeah, you're, doesn't, you should be all right. Doesn't seem fair, <laughs> does it? <laughs> Ouch. Well, when you say Mike Trout gets a zero this week, then pretty much anybody you put over there, yeah, right? Good point. Okay, so Mr. Blonde's Heroes, almost exactly when Greg decided to tear his team down, he has gone on a winning streak. And uh, one, you know, I guess this week took down a mission commission. The mission commission now is taking it on the chin, and uh, they were once flying high. They're now at 500. Uh, and Mr. Blonde's Heroes is uh, also at 500 in the Griffey division. Uh, strong performance from Jose Abreu. Again, we talked about Abreu last week. And here's a guy who we figure he's going to hit 330. He hasn't hit you those home runs yet. He puts two up last week. I think as the weather warms, so will he. And then um, Adams. I mean, this was a, this was a, a move you were pretty proud of last week, and uh, he made a very strong contribution this week um, to you. And, and certainly when you look at your bench, it was the right call to make. And then the Yankee staff, which I you know I threw at you as a you know a throw-in, and you just kept using it. And now at 12.1, I mean, so um, the question is. Are you changing your strategy? Are you back in it? As I've stated all along, you know, my goal was to uh, get younger and to be more big picture and future minded uh, that I believe my window wasn't that strong. And, and, you know, I moved up one spot in the power ranking. So certainly I'm not ordering any ticker tape to store here at the headquarters. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that my team got better. I said that unequivocally when I made those trades and I believe it. Carpenter's shitting the bed as I thought he would. Um, you know, uh, Suarez is, is playing well and he's on pace for a really strong hundred plus point season. Um, you know, that the players are who I thought they were as Dennis green, God rest his soul would have said. Okay. So the Griffey division stands as Jack's wax packs, sole possession of first place in the Griffey division. And then we have two tied at four and four with 47 Ronan and Mr. Blonde heroes, Mr. Blonde's heroes. And then we have Funk and Punks at three and five. In the Bonds division, Lethal Injection still with a five and three record. Number one in the Bonds division, St. Locash Stinkfist now up to four and four. Took a, a very important game from Lethal Injection last week. Bad Street in the cellar at two and six. It's looking really tough for Bad Street. And I think Pops is really going to start thinking about moving Sano to 47 Ronin. McGuire uh, division, Reardon Metal five and three. Number one sole possession, emission commission four and four, the dreamers at four and four. Again, I still think the McGuire division is going to be a fun one to watch down the, uh, down the, as we go down uh, to the wire there. You know, one of the best things that happened to me last week was that I was reminded that I had uh, uh, acquired Pop's number one pitching staff draft pick for next year. So let me just reinforce go Bad Street, continue to lose. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm also uh, taking offers for that number one draft pick uh, if they're interesting. So, you know, dreamers, you're listening. Come on. Give me give me some of that young talent. Look like a solid pick at this point. So in the power rankings, we have number one, Jacks, Wax, Pax, uh, followed by 47 Ronan, and in third place, Lethal Injection. Rounding out the bottom three, we have Bad Street at eighth, um, just ahead of Mr. Blonde's Heroes, and then at the bottom, the Funkin' Punks, uh, with five total, five out of 30 points total for the power pole. So a couple of teams really starting to show some uh, some cracks uh, as we, uh, as we take a look at the power ranking. Okay. Thanks gentlemen. Uh, and, uh, it's going to be a real interesting week this week. We're going to shake some things up and hopefully start to get some clarity about, uh, at least two of the top six or seven teams are going forward. And coming up, we have Xander Keen. This is a television personality, play-by-play announcer, Spartan athlete, and an all-around great New England guy. So I'm really excited for this upcoming interview and looking forward to you hearing what he has to say. All right. Well, uh, very excited to have Xander Keen on the show. Xander Keen actually knows one of our owners, uh, Jack, and they work together at the Jacksonville Sharks, and that's how these two connected. And Xander has a fascinating history uh, in the game and uh, has a lot of things I think we could have some fun talking talking about. And, uh, you know, if you're interested after you listen to this, you can certainly follow Xander on Twitter. That's Xander Keen, K-E-A-N-P-X-P. So Xander Keen, P-X-P for play-by-play. So Xander, I'm going to start off with the best question. Uh, here, you're a New England guy. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, a little bit north of Boston. I lived in a town called Ipswich, Massachusetts. Changed course, decided I'd had enough of winter, and I've pretty much been in Florida ever since then. So, uh, you know, I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, just west of Boston. And uh, I, too, I left when I was 18, wanted to get the hell out of there. I went to Florida as well, but I chose Florida State University. You chose the U. I did, yeah. Uh, Nice little conflict or coincidence there, but yeah, um, went down to Miami. That was uh, definitely a whole new world, you know, guy growing up in suburban Massachusetts and then got that big college experience in a pretty unique place. So Miami was a lot of fun. Did you specifically pick Miami because you knew the sports programs there were top notch in several different sports? Um, Yeah, to an extent. I studied broadcast journalism in college. And that's something I always wanted to do growing up. And it actually... My college choice came down to Miami and Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse, for those right. yep. that may not know, has you know one of the top mm-hmm. broadcasting programs in the country. But just visiting Miami and talking to people, the sort of the facilities, the opportunities were just as good, if not better, in some respects. You know, there's kind of less people down at Miami doing that kind of things. You know, did a couple of the Orange Bowl and then what was then known as Dolphin Stadium, along right. with uh, you know obviously the baseball and basketball stuff. Definitely played into it. Um, on the football side of things, didn't exactly go as planned while I was there and, and even since then. Yeah, there's that school will always be able to come back. I mean, it, you know, they just, they, I mean, how can you not recruit? You talked about the difference between going to, to upstate New York or South Beach, right? Coral Gables, excuse me, Coral Gables. I mean, there's no competition there, right? I mean, if it's just, even if it's just a coin flip, 
you're going to go uh, to South Beach. Now, why is they, Miami? They, they, they've always been able to fucking party, though. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> why does Miami have the reputation of not being a sports town? Kind of emblematic of South Florida in general. There's a lot of people from the Northeast, you know, whether that's New England like us, whether that's, you know, New York and the tri-state area that kind of bring those allegiances with them. And I'm certainly someone who, who brought that and has kept that. Um, and yeah, maybe there's not quite the the generations of tradition with probably the exception of the Dolphins. You know, all the other teams down there kind of came to fruition in the, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Marlins had some success right away. And, mm-hmm. you know, a whole lot's been talked about, written about everything that's gone on with that franchise. And and obviously the Heat have, have done well, you know, a little more recently. But yeah, I think it's a combination of that. And then you combine that with just, you know, it's cliche, but the weather and having so much to do, you know, not as many people are going to want to go to games on a Tuesday night or whatever, even especially, you know, a weekend afternoon when the beach and all that other stuff is right there. So uh, where did you learn your chops? I mean, I know there's the classroom, but was it something you just had to grind through it and then, you know, get better and better as you as you went along? Um, a little of both, you know, for whatever reason, I've just always sort of had a, a natural inclination toward it it's been kind of easy for me to you know call games i've done some other stuff too when i was in college uh mm-hmm. you know anchoring tv shows and producing video packages and that kind of thing but when it comes to, to play-by-play specifically i don't know i mean you know there's a ton of preparation and it certainly is a grind that goes into it but really just you know didn't have much of a chance to to do much before i got to miami but you know working with the student radio station specifically um just when i started getting behind the mic calling those baseball and basketball and football games it was like all right yeah this is this is something that just clicks and Mm -hmm. uh you know my career has gone a few different ways since then and you know i've managed to stay involved to some extent with sports and and broadcasting and all that but there's a lot more that goes into it than just calling the games but that part specifically it's been yeah a combination of of the grind but also just something i've loved doing honestly Hey, Xander, it's Greg. Um, you, you you touched upon something that I'm really curious about. You know, for Jack and Tim and Joe and I, this is a venture into new territory, and, and we're all really big fans of, of the broadcasting of sports, too. You know, I, I love to listen to baseball. Uh, and you just mentioned about the preparation, and it's something that I'm curious about. Um, you know, it, it comes across when it's done well as being so organic and natural. What is the preparation like? And is there a, a concerted effort by the broadcast team to bring up particular anecdotes? Or is it just kind of riffing? You know, where where is that line between planning and plotting it and just kind of letting it happen? Sure. I think it can depend on the situation, you know, when, especially when you look at, you know, a local broadcast team or, you know, for me specifically when I was in college, um, you know, at Miami working with the same team over and over a little bit later, you know, what I did with the Sharks and, you know, um, had a little bit of time in, in minor league baseball that we'll probably get to in a bit. When you're working with the same team and, you know, just following that team, it's, it's almost natural. And, you know, if you've got a broadcast partner with you, just being around the team and just sometimes it's just casually just watching and talking to the guys and and seeing what sort of makes them tick or picking up on little details during batting practice or what have you that can play into it. But yeah, it's also just being prepared and, you know, having an organized, but detailed, you know, note sheet or however it works, you know, everybody's got a a different system. Um, You know, I don't really have pages and pages of notes when I go in. A lot of it is kind of up in my head for 
so you know somehow I, I would say really it's a blend of just you know being able to tell the story of the team and what's going on outside of you know what someone can see or you know the, the plays themselves but also you know having those oh you know in the last two weeks this guy's done blah 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 you know having that handy not always you know just reciting stats but when the situation is right you know to pull out that sort of that note um can definitely take things to the next level i guess it's magic i mean when it works well it's it, it really does and i think for especially for a sport like baseball it really enhances my enjoyment of the game so here's a follow-up question and kind of on a tangent and i'm not asking you for for you to relay any or reveal any personal professional secrets but i've often wondered to what extent uh broadcast partners you know it, it, how how likely is it that they dislike one another you know because over the years uh, listening everybody loves xander well yeah yeah so of course <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. this is, would be inapplicable to you xander of course um <laughs> and you know I, I don't expect you to tell me you know if you disliked any of your broadcast partners but i sometimes find myself thinking that these guys don't like one another you know i they cut one another off or they're they're little uh you know in shared jokes or have a little tinge of meanness to them and I wonder, you know, if you've heard that that's common or are they like police partners who they just become so close to one another that, you know, just through sheer common experience, they become bonded. Um, I think it can be both and not even just with uh, broadcasters calling games. I mean, you hear about with sports talk radio all the time, too, you know, guys that have successful shows and then get to a point where they don't talk to each other off the air. I'm, you know, I've never experienced anything like that, but. Yeah, I mean, I can see a scenario where, you know, you're with somebody, especially baseball, you know, 162 games, one day off maybe every two weeks, and you're traveling together and spending, you know, more time with this person than with, you know, either of you two with your own family. You know, I could see that, you know, maybe after a couple of years, kind of just the little things you don't like about somebody kind of getting to you. But at the same time, you know, you look across the league with different, you know, local broadcast teams, and some of the national guys that have been together for, you know, years and years and years. So I think I would say more often than not, you know, when it works well, it is that that brotherhood, that bond mm -hmm. that uh, that definitely drives you together. Cool, because you, you never hear them say, no, no, Jack, that was that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's got to get, get really bad for it just to get unprofessional on the air. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Greg, you ignorance slut. Yeah, it, it might help with ratings, though. My gosh, it's like, oh, oh man, yeah. yeah. The, the the pirates have no freaking chance this year, but I love to hear those two squabble. You know, I think Greg said something great, which was, you know, it's part of the experience. And, and we think about baseball in particular, you know, and you've done a number of sports. Do you think there's a future for baseball? We talk about just how there's there's you know a minute and a half of action for a three hour game, and so much of it is about the conversation, is about what you're bringing to the game. You know, you are just as much a part of the experience as watching the, the athletes on the field. Do you think there's a way that baseball can actually compete with sports like lacrosse and football and basketball and hockey that are just constant action and really engaging the younger fans as opposed to just a bunch of, you know, old guys? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's a hard question to answer in some way because, you know, just like you guys, I don't need any convincing. I think you're right in that sort of in this age of social media and, and all that, baseball sort of taking a step back and I'm not totally sure what it is. I think the one thing that maybe, you know, especially you look at a sport like basketball and I think that one of the reasons why 
basketball has just kind of taken off or just, you know, built on itself, you know, over the last decade, you know, as sort of Twitter and all that has become more prevalent is not only is it obviously, you know, exciting in terms of action, there's guys flying all over the court, you know, for the entire game, instead of like you mentioned, you know, 90 seconds of action, three hours or whatever you have for a baseball game, but just the, the guys and the personalities of the players are so visible, right? You know, you got these close-up angles and they don't have any pads or hats or helmets mm -hmm. or anything on people can get drawn in, you know, just whether it's the successes, the failures, whatever, just even though, you know, not necessarily relatable, right. Cause who can relate to a six foot 10 guy that can shoot threes and dunk. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, you look at baseball and you know, who is the, who's the big star of baseball right now? You know, the best player in the game, you know, whether you want to say it's Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, whoever, like, it seems like the personalities aren't, you know, as charismatic might not be the right word, but, but yeah, to mm -hmm. an extent, you know, I think in some ways baseball is kind of, you know, about doing the right thing, playing the game the right way and all that. I think, you know, if everybody just embraced the fun of baseball, you know, for me, look, the more bat flips, the merrier. And that's mm -hmm. one small example, but yeah, just, I think that if some more personalities came to the forefront or just there were guys with those bigger personalities that were, you know, happened to be the best players in the game that would help. Um, but yeah, it's overall, it's a tough question to ask, right? Because, you know, when you love the sport of baseball, you don't think anything's wrong with it. And I definitely fall on that side, but could see where basketball and some of these other sports have been successful in sort of showcasing kind of the, the guy, the personalities of the, the players. That is such a good response because, you know, we, we, we've talked about this. We talked about the unwritten rules. I remember Bryce Harper last year, had a red hat and it said make baseball fun again and and it was uh and he's really been pushing for you know the the people to be able to show more emotion but yet the unwritten rules are if you show emotion then you're going to get hit your next time up at bat and there's this this kind of uh, these archaic rules you know it, what you're saying is bring that personality up and, and kind of one of the things i was thinking about was you know with social media with this this collapsing of a distance between the fans and the players and really the fans and the, and the personalities of which you are Xander, right? That you and your fans, how is that changing what you do? I, I would imagine you're kind of competing with a lot of different things now, not just maybe the broadcast team down the road. Yeah, definitely. You know, across all sports, players are more accessible and, you know, whether that's just their own Twitter accounts and whatnot, or, things like the players tribune. If you're talking about, you know, going into the writing mm. aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more places to get information and, you know, to an extent, right. You can just, you don't even have to watch sports center anymore. You, you can just fire up the MLB dot uh, at bad app or whatever, when it comes to mm -hmm. the major league baseball. And if you don't have time to watch the game, just check all the highlights of videos right there. It's accessible. You know, fans are going to their players, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever to get that information. So yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you're calling a game and, and really whatever role you're in in the sport, I think the challenge now is to find a unique perspective. And, you know, whatever your role is, you know, there's a lot more competition in terms of what kinds of things people can choose to, you know, use to follow their sport. Mm -hmm. Isn't it true that uh, Bryce Harper was drilled in the ribs twice the day after he wore that hat by a you know journeyman relief pitcher who thought that the game's dignity had been affronted? <laughs> could be he was also drilled in the ribs by a journeyman relief pitcher today today so, yeah, yep. yeah. He, he definitely showed some emotion on that one he did uh his helmet toss was a little exactly. off target <laughs> yeah that was pretty lame personally just because i've been a uh, a huge promoter of buster posey prior to that incident <laughs> watched, 
watching <laughs> him course. stand silently behind home plate as he just kind of opted out. out. Yeah. He knows what's on the line for Joe this year. He's not, he doesn't want to risk a suspension. Jack, I think I interrupted you. I think you were going to say something before the last one. Was there? Do you remember what that was? Or that was a um, uh, a very good point that, that that Xander had brought up. And and again, in you know, new age of information and and thirty second attention spans and and vines and Snapchats and basketball specifically just lends itself to that more. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, you did see it a little bit though with the, um, the world baseball classic and, and they did let them let their hair down and, and, and get a little crazy and celebrate a little more. And, and, uh, and then it was all over Twitter and, and, uh, um, you know, in the social media. So the, a, a pretty good point, um, at this point you want to keep the, uh, um, the sanctity of the game and, and so on and so forth. But at some point you may have to adapt to the way things are and the way things are moving. I just thought that was a very good point. To follow up on Jack's comment there. One of the things that I, I think that I've recently noticed baseball broadcast doing more, which I love and does make it even more interesting for me is something that I've seen like Pierre Maguire do on NHL broadcast, which are those in-game interviews. You know, obviously not the players playing, but Pirates broadcast today, they interviewed Jamison Tyon coming back from his uh, cancer cancer scare, you know, and, and I thought that was interesting. And baseball, you know, to me, lends itself more to uh, different kind of innovative ways to cover the sport because of, the, because of the pace of the game. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, more than any other sport, like you mentioned, baseball lends itself to, to in-game commentary from the participants because, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to give away your strategy, but how much is there? Unless you're asking the catcher <laughs> what he's putting down or unless you're asking the third base coach what it means when he taps his ear, like other than that, the strategy is visible, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to put a shift on for a certain guy, well, that guy can see it, you know, before the right. comes. <laughs> and there's so much downtime that, that, yeah, I think that maybe hopefully in that respect that, some of these in-game interviews, whether it's, you know, they tape something with the manager during the break and then they play it, you know, coming back for the top of the fourth, or they talk to either the starting pitcher, you know, maybe the starting pitcher the pitch last night. So obviously he's not playing, you know, maybe that's a stepping stone to actually getting some participation. You know, if, uh, you know, if I'm watching a Red Sox game and Jackie Bradley Jr. makes a, a great catch up against the wall, then, you know, maybe they go to him, you know, while the team's hitting and, you know, he's not coming up in, in the bottom half of the inning or something like that. You know, maybe we're in the early stages of it, but like you mentioned, yeah, just some of the in-game interviews they're doing. I've noticed, too, that lately they've had the the Sunday night baseball broadcasters calling the game from the stands. I saw that yesterday uh, in Pittsburgh, and I've seen it, you know, the last few weeks in other locations. Yeah, I think the more you can do to open up the game like that and just open up the, the access, you know, on the TV broadcast, I think is, is only going to be a good thing. There's more opportunities to do that in baseball than really any other time, because, you know, yeah, you mentioned football, basketball, whatever they do, the halftime interviews. I know the NBA now they're doing a, a coach interview, maybe at the end of the first quarter, the end of the third, but yeah, with baseball, the, the decisions are so sort of pivotal, you know, with pitching changes and things like that, that yeah, if we got to the point where, you know, we're talking to the manager or the pitching coach, or even the starting pitcher, who just got yanked. I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. Now, you were up in Northwest Arkansas. You were with a a minor league baseball team. 
And Will Myers and Sal Perez are two guys that, that we actually love. Will Myers really in this league is – we love him. We think he's awesome. What was that like? How was it being around a minor league baseball team? In the spring and summer of 2011, full season, full-time position, basically I was sort of the number two guy on the broadcast and in the media relations department. So, you know, writing press releases, interviews, three innings of play-by-play at every home game. I didn't travel with the team, but, you know, I was around uh-huh. the ballpark uh-huh. every day. And, yeah. You know, you get to be down on the field at BP and see these guys, you know, at the clubhouse or signing autographs. Uh, you know, they kind of rotate different guys who have to sign autographs before every game. And so, yeah, I got to, you know, to meet Will and Sal. And that was a, it was a really interesting time to be involved with the Royals organization, right? Because everyone had talked about this wave of prospects and it hadn't translated at all to the big leagues yet. You know, they right. were still the, the Royals that we all know and love from the last couple of decades. <laughs> but um, the year before I was there, both Mike Moustakis and Eric Hosmer had come through and just dominated double A and moved mm-hmm. on. You know, weren't sure if they were going to be on the team. Turned out that they both started in triple A and Hosmer specifically was up almost immediately uh, right. in the big leagues and, and hasn't left. So going into that season, right, Will Myers was one of the top prospects in the system and mm-hmm. one of the top prospects right. in all of baseball. You know, everyone had a lot of expectations. He was actually transitioning from catcher to outfield. Um, you know, when you see him in person, he's, you know, six three. 200 plus pounds yet. You got to figure that's not going to last behind the plate, even though, you know, Perez himself is a pretty big guy, but you know, Myers came with the pedigree, you know, early round draft pick dude, you know, tore up high the year before. And, and, you know, he was, he was the guy on the other hand, Perez is someone we weren't sure about, you know, he like uh, Will Myers had been in high Wilmington the year before he was Mm -hmm. a really young dude at the time, 20 years old, you know, nobody knew, that much about him, you know, um, young kid from Venezuela, they had signed and there was potential there, but then it just, it became, you watch that evolution, you know, watching him play every day, you know, his calling card coming up at that time was, you know, his work behind the plate and throw runners. Mm -hmm. That was obvious from the beginning, but just watching that team play every day, you saw him just figure it out at the plate, you know, hitting. And I remember there was one series where he went something like, I don't know, nine for 12 with a couple of bombs, including a grand slam. And he got, called up to AAA almost immediately after that. And mm-hmm. uh, and to see, you know, the evolution that he went through from, you know, possible prospect to learning the ropes in AA to where he is now is, you know, to see him in the All-Star game was uh, was pretty awesome just because, you know, it was one of those guys when, you know, you get to talk to him a little bit, uh, just a, a really, really genuine, friendly dude. And, you know, Will Myers and all those other guys were good to me too. But specifically, you know, it was cool just seeing the growth of, of Salvador Perez, even though it was only about four months that he was with us that year. I imagine so. I mean, that would be so excellent to see. And now you have this connection with him as you see him on the big stage and what he's doing. Do you have a, a great interview moment? Not maybe in necessarily in uh, with the naturals, but at any time uh, so far in your career, I know you're going to have a long career uh, going forward, but uh, anything that you think was either funny or interesting or just kind of blew your mind in terms of, uh, doing what you do? Um, actually, in retrospect, there's one that stands out just because of who the subject was. So when I was with the Naturals, actually, um, part of what I did was I'd go down to the field at the end of every game, do a post-game interview. And usually it was with, you know, when we were at home with the Naturals one, it was with the guy that had mm-hmm. the big winning hit, or the game winning hit, or the starting pitcher. Sometimes I would interview, uh, you know, a guy on the other team if it was a game where, you know, the, the opposing team won late or it was just an absolute blowout and there was really nobody to, to interview on on the natural side. So one on each side, I think, stands out. So the first one was 
going with the other team. I remember it was a game where there was a lot of back and forth in terms of, um, I think it went into extra innings and, you know, the Nationals were up and then they gave up a run and then the other team scored, et cetera. Well, turned out that the Arkansas Travelers won. I went down and I grabbed uh, their center fielder at the time, who was a uh, 20, 21-year-old mm-hmm. Mike Trout. And just, you know, walk oh, wow. up to, walk up to Mike Trout and just like ask him three or four questions, like real casual. And, you know, he was a huge prospect at the time too, obviously even more so than, than a guy like Will Myers, but you know, just you watch him now in the big leagues and, you know, obviously he doesn't remember me. And that moment was you know, <laughs> two minutes of, of history, but it was cool kind of looking back uh, to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I was just down on the field kind of standing eye to eye with guy who's now arguably the best player in baseball and has been for years. Um, the other one I remember was uh, a walk-off home run. And uh, I was actually doing video for that one. Um, kind of for the naturals in-house system. And so I'm standing there talking to the guy named Tim Smith. I mean, just a career minor leaguer on the team at the time. I'm in the middle of my interview asking a question and a dude just comes up and slams him with a pie in the face. Um, <laughs> that was, you, know, you see that all the time, you know, whether it's uh, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, whether it's uh, the pie, the shaving cream, whatever it is. That I don't think I got too much on me. And I made, you know, made <laughs> someone got him a towel and we could finish the interview. But yeah, keep doing your toes when uh, someone comes flying in like that right in the middle of when you're asking the question. It's really cool because I think you talk about the minor leagues, and I know we're focused on baseball in this podcast, but. You got to put your time in, right? You got to put the work in. You got to get some 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 luck to go your way. So it's awesome that you're continuing to do this. I mean, how many of us really thought at one point, boy, you know, that would be cool to do, and you're actually doing it, and that's got to be just a great feeling. Yeah. Definitely. Are your folks pumped about you doing this? Oh yeah, uh, they, you know, they, they yeah. love it. Yeah, they'll tune in to anything that I do, you know, and they have ever right. since, and that's awesome. You know, it's one of those things where. You know, I'd be calling a Tuesday night game at the University of Miami against, you know, whoever they were playing, like Rutgers or right. something. And, you know, I don't know how many people are listening, but to know that, you know, my folks are and uh, they actually live down in Florida now themselves. So, that, yeah. you know, they can come up and see me every so often, but they definitely enjoy, you know, whether it's the live stream or, uh, you know, it's on the radio or whatever. Um, it's nice, you know, having a couple fans uh, regardless of what I'm doing. Sounds like we just picked up two new listeners to our podcast. Thank you, Xander's right, exactly. <laughs> parents. Jack was telling me that you're quite an athlete, and uh, I can actually see now. I see you on video that you you absolutely are. Um, you know, and you you like the Spartan races. What's your best result? Kind of a fringe sport. It's been you know, been around sure. for for five or six years now, but just gaining more and more popularity, and even some TV coverage now. So there's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there's an upper echelon. There's a group of you know elite athletes who are professional athletes and, you know, they've got legit sponsorships and things like that. So kind of setting that group aside, you know, I've sort of right. uh, gotten into it over the last year and a half or so. And uh, kind of, you know, in the, the one tier below those elites, kind of, they break it out by age group. And I've, you know, I've gotten uh, in the top 10 of my age group a couple of times. So the most recent uh, Spartan race I ran about two weeks ago, got eighth. Can That's you explain awesome. to the old guy what a Spartan race is? Sure. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an obstacle course race. So, you know, courses range from, you know, four miles to even, you know, 12, 13, uh, and basically lots of trail running, um, depending on where you are, you know, climbing up parts of mountains and down a lot of elevation change. Then you're, you're climbing. There's a whole bunch of different obstacles. So like maybe there's an eight foot wall in front of you. You got to jump up and kind of get yourself over it. You're crawling under barbed wire. You're, you know, carrying sandbags for a quarter mile and all that stuff kind of, jam-packed into a uh you know hour hour and a half two hour event 
All right. <laughs> it's insane, man. It's absolutely insane. So I have one more question, and then we can kind of turn around. You can ask us any questions you want. And, and again, thank you so much for doing this, Andrew. Do you watch the show Brockmire? Um, I have not yet. It's on the list. I've been uh, pretty busy. You know, my DVR is getting backlogged. But yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it's an interesting take on uh, the profession. Definitely check it out. I, these these guys turned me on to it last week. I've checked out the first few episodes. It's a uh, it's a must watch. Nice. I have a question for Xander, and and I know you're in the business, and you certainly don't want to make enemies. Um, so I'm just going to ask you. You know, we can all see each other for our listeners. So without you know responding audibly, you know, Derek Jeter. Uh, a legend or a legendary douche you know so well, but, right- but wait but if oh, no go one's going to know then why would you even ask him we're not going to we're not going to because it's titillating right? he's not yeah but like it's titillating you know i not okay. can answer if he want, doesn't want no, to right. he can, but uh, he just, can just you know, slam his laptop shut and that's it legend so, or douchebag well i was going to make some some you know comedic you know spilling of the beans but uh you know you've you've stolen my thunder now tim but I am not genuinely curious. Right hand for that's my right hand for legend or left hand for legendary douche. It's conflicting. Interesting. Ah, there you as, go. as a Red Sox guy, it's yeah. It's a little but bit as of a, both. And as a Florida sports journalist, uh, with the prospect of the captain coming down and hooking up with the Bush family, that you know, certainly I wouldn't expect you to, to Sour that future relationship. So. I, struggle, I struggle with that as a Red Sox fan too, so don't feel bad. Yeah, totally. You know who was when you were growing up? Who was your player? Yeah, so I mean, I'm 28. Um, so you know, the first guy, just because of you know how old I, you know, being a, a new little leaguer, kind of when he first uh-huh. came up. I mean, Nomar was the guy that I loved uh, know, growing Nomar. up. He was kind of the first one. But I would say that you know, if I had to pick one guy that that was you know just absolute favorite of all time it's got to be pedro i mean everything about pedro was uh was awesome and yeah just you know to have him part of the the first championship team but yeah just being uh you know so i I guess i was 15 when they won the world series in 2004 so definitely old enough to appreciate it and but also to appreciate at least some of what had come before you know it pales in comparison to my parents and grandparents and what they had lived through without a title but uh but yeah you have no idea well i I can remember you talking about Miles when when they when the Red Sox won and then the Patriots won and you're just like he has no freaking idea what we went through. This is normal right. to him yep. where they just right. win every year. He's yeah. so, so but to, to to Xander's point, right? So yeah. Miles is 17. So Miles has no concept. He just thinks if Boston or New England is on the shirt somewhere, you're just gonna win every you know every other year or so. <laughs> so Xander, at least you had to go through a couple of you know yeah one, one of my early you know one of my earliest sports memories is the packers beating the patriots on uh, the super bowl uh, 96 so at yes. least you know i'm old enough to remember that and you know remember yes. when the red sox you know obviously i wasn't quite i wasn't alive yet in 86 so i had to hear stories about that one but you know at least yeah i like to say that obviously there's okay. been this unprecedented run of success but at least i feel like you know i'm old enough to where i can appreciate what came before and to maybe you yeah. know, enjoy a little bit more because of that. No, I totally, I totally give you that. Would, would you, if you had the opportunity to go back to New England and be the voice of any of the teams, and I know this is a baseball podcast, but I'm not looking for Red Sox on this unless that truly is what you would, would it be, you know, the Celtics, Sox, Bruins, Pats, or maybe your big soccer guy, maybe it's Revolution. I don't know. Man, that that's a tough one. Um, 
I would probably say the Patriots number one. Uh, but yeah, the Red Sox would be right up there too. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, any of them, yeah. but yeah, I think those are kind of the, the one, two for me in terms of like, just if I could see myself, you know, if I was the guy at, uh, at Gillette stadium or at Fenway every day, yeah. it, it would be one of those two for sure. Yeah. You'd be drinking for free. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. like, that would be awesome. So do you work with a, a voice coach to get rid of the accent? Cause you'd have to bring that accent back. I, I'm not really hearing it right now. No, I, it's weird. I never really had it. I don't know if that's just that you lose it and, you know, from one generation to the next, I'm not sure. Maybe I've kind of just naturally, whatever traces of it that I had have kind of gone away, you know, as I've mm -hmm. done this stuff, but I guess I was lucky in that respect, right? I didn't have to really unlearn the the really thick accent. No, you did say no ma though, so that's yeah. good. That's good. So I, that, that you know. <laughs> I have a question for you, Z. I know uh, you've been over for a while. We appreciate you spending the time here. Um, totally. So, so you you, uh, you went to the U, and um, over the years, I've read a story or two about the University of Miami. Yes. Um, are 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 there any stories that you can tell? Uh, on the podcast that uh, that you experienced during your time at uh, at the U, um, I would say that uh, you know there's a few obviously, but now I wasn't there in the real notorious eras. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Seventh Floor Crew. If not, then I'll leave you to Google that after the show. But that was a little <laughs> bit before my time. Xander, one thing we all agree on is that uh, you mentioned Pedro earlier. That uh, we were talking last week about Pedro and Zimmer. We all agree Zimmer had it coming. Oh yeah, but <laughs> that he's an eighty-year-old. Who cares? Xander, I, I I can't thank you enough for spending time uh, on you know Memorial Day weekend, really helping us understand more about you know the business and what you do, and really learning more about you. I'm I'm excited I got a chance to know you, and that you you know took the time to to spend it with us. I I'm 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 forever thankful. Thank you very much, and Jack, thank you for uh, kind of making this connection. Hey, Dan. thanks a lot, guys. I really, uh, really enjoyed coming on and talking shop with you guys. Thanks, Xander. Thank you very much. Well, hopefully we can get you back on and get your your kind of view on Brockmire. So I'd love to get the Brockmire review from you, right? Because I think that would be fascinating. You got to check the show out. Good idea. That yeah, I'd plan. like uh, if Xander, if you do come back, I'd also like to hear about you know your experience or to what level you participate in fantasy sports too. Yeah. Absolutely. I definitely do you, do you uh, play for fantasy baseball. Um, I haven't played fantasy baseball in a few years. Uh, I'd like to, you know, maybe get back into it at some point, but fantasy football has been more my thing. I don't know. It's I've been so busy uh, with work and everything that it's hard to keep up with fantasy baseball all the time. But, uh, but yeah, definitely on board with fantasy sports. That's for sure. Yeah. But if you were, so if you have a fantasy baseball team and a fantasy football team and you're interviewing one of the players that's on your team, would you try to, you know, get him to do something for you. Like, come on, I need a home run or, you know, I'm in the championship or nah, maybe, maybe it was the championship and some. <laughs> Other than that, you know, yeah. keep those lines separate. He's a competitor. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Xander. Uh, this has been great. Jack, do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. It was awesome. Absolutely guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. This was great. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Take it easy. Okay, 
Okay, welcome back, fellas. So uh, apparently something happened with uh, Bryce Harper charging the mound today. What what the hell happened? I haven't seen anything today. Essentially, this is a pitcher that Harper had homered off of in in a championship series in the National League three years ago, uh, Strickland. Okay. The first home run in game one, Harper just ran around the bases. He did admire his work before <laughs> he started running, and Strickland took apparently took offense to that. and Two years ago. Stared at Three years ago. Three years ago. Three years stared ago. Stared at him. The year, the last time, last time the Giants won the World Series, Harper ran around the bases, oblivious to the fact that Strickland is staring at him the entire time. Uh, in Game Four, Harper is facing Strickland again, sends it out of Giants Stadium into McCovey Cove, and this time apparently he's heard about it and been asked about it enough, so he stares at at Strickland the entire time. Okay. And when he gets to the dugout, he's he's really whooping it up, and he turns around and shouts something at Strickland. I, I don't read lips, so I'm not. Jack may know what he said. I don't know. Uh, so today, know. this is the first time he's faced Strickland since that series, and the first pitch, he throws a 99 mile an hour fastball right into his hip. Harper kind of shouts something at him, and then charges the mound. He does the the weakest helmet throw i've ever seen it looked it like he was aim. aiming it at him but it went to first base instead it was a strong throw just bad aim. exactly yeah he probably over overcompensated and uh, so he charges the mound takes an immediate punch in the face from strickland and by then everybody's out there and harper got a few licks into although it didn't look like it landed quite as hard as Strickland's punch was. Not as solid, but yeah. And uh, I'll let Jack tell you the rest of the story. Yeah, the 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 main focus of the story is as the bench is cleared and uh, uh, blows were going back and forth continuously. Uh, Buster Posey literally <laughs> stayed behind the plate the entire time. Slowly stood up as as uh, Harper charged, watched. The initial uh, back and forth from behind the plate still hadn't moved as his pitcher was taking shots from Bryce Harper. And then the benches cleared. And I think at that point, Posey realized if he was the only person not in the big circle of fighting going on. Uh, so he slowly walked up, stood on the outside of the circle like the small kid at the mosh pit and just kind of circled slowly back and forth until it started to dissipate and then made his way. It was the biggest pussy move by a pitcher I have ever seen. Maybe Posey was thinking, fuck this pitcher, you know, uh, this middle or leaving motherfucker who's thrown a, a pitch at the best player in the National League and going to get my ass into a fight because he w got taken deep twice three years ago. This, 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 I didn't see this either, but this must have come off with some uh, openness to interpretation because regular uh, Atlas Balk listener and you know former guest justin texted me right before the start of this thing you know asking me to ask you guys if harper was now the biggest bitch in the majors after machado not you joe and uh <laughs> he pronounces that would be, his name that would be unequivocally yes uh but no i'm just kidding as i'm hearing you guys talk about it my thought is is that pitchers are are, are the biggest pussies you know especially middle relievers they're never going to step foot in the batter's box and again one of baseball's unwritten rules these pitchers are drilling guys, even the starting pitchers in the National League. They never get thrown at. He was mentally unstable. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, they literally had to carry him off of the field, his own uh, coaching staff and, and team. In fact, the guy who ended up replacing him on the mound had his legs, was picked his legs up <laughs> off the ground. 
to carry him. He was so uh, both arms uh, around his ankles, enraged. Yeah, the guy uh, uh, definitely lost it. This is obviously something he had been holding on to strongly for quite some time. You know, again, hit him in the side. He didn't go at his head or anything, but uh, the, the ball did roll uh, halfway up the uh, the third base line. So he hit him hard enough to uh, to get it going. It it, it was. Um, I I don't disagree with you, Greg. It's uh, um, uh, you know, get over it. it, it well, that's it, what Posey it, was thinking. I'm not getting into a fight for this punk. I don't care I, if no, he is my teammate. You should care. He is your team. You're the catcher. You have a job at that point. You it's part of the the position. When you take the position of catcher, you're aware that if a guy charges your pitcher, you're supposed to at the very Pick up the bat and throw it at him. Do so. Call him a fucking name. Do something for Christ's sake. It sounds like Strickland told Posey, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drill Harper if I get the chance, and you're not gonna have to do anything. I want him to charge me because I'm gonna take him out." And he couldn't have picked up the bat because Harper threw that away too. That uh, and and they uh, again, he did not. Uh, it, it was not uh, Rocky and Apollo Creed. Let's put it that way. There was. It, it was, there was a bit of flailing. Dude, I think that's why Odor, that was actually yeah. a fight. He actually threw a punch. Like in baseball, it really does look like a slap fight to me all the time. I'd say it had a, a little bit more substance, actually. There were a couple closed fists. Um, again, as Joe mentioned, uh, Harper's um, maybe landed on the open side of the, the fist. Uh, the pitcher, I can't recall his name, got seemed to get Harper pretty squarely with his shot. Um, and, uh, and again, it did, uh, you know, it, 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 they, they pulled Harper out of it immediately. They stayed out there for a little while longer. And like I said, it took them a while to get the pitcher to the goddamn <laughs> dugout and they had to hold him down. They held him in the corner of the dugout, uh, and talked him down. It, it, uh, it, like the guy was on fucking PCP or something. It was something else. The, the, they interviewed the pitcher after the game and he was just so calm. It was, how does he rationalize? You know, I know baseball's on. Well, he said that's three you... years ago, for God's sakes. He he said what you expect him to say. Oh, it, it was a pitch that got away from me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this was personal. This was beyond baseball. This was beyond the unwritten rule. This was a crazy son of a bitch with a, a vendetta is what it was, honestly. Well, it, he, it, he could get away with it to a point because of the unwritten rule and so on and so forth. But no, this guy, I, I, obviously it was uh, above and beyond what he was doing for his team or that moment. I will say the other thing I noticed, or and I did know he was on Tim's team, so I knew there had to be some some something to it when harper took his helmet off to throw it in between first base and second base nowhere near the pitcher um i did notice um that he does have some pretty good hair at harper i i hadn't really noticed he that, up that just wonderful you. flow oh my gosh yeah did you did you see the the collision of hair when the two giants players oh met God. at the pitcher there was <laughs> you know <laughs> who, who were those two i am guys? gonna have to pull that, a video I, of this well, one of them was, uh, <laughs> one of them I believe was the first base where the guy came in for a, for a replacement. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the perennial fantasy pickup and drop, Michael Morse. Um, <laughs> I believe he was one. The other was pitcher coming in. But yeah, when you watch the video, you'll see as the two start throwing blows. The crowd, you know, the, the bench is clear. The crowd come from either side, and for whatever reason, at a much faster speed. Uh, Morse from first base and, and one of the pitchers from the other side completely collide, literally head to head, collide right behind the uh, uh, Harper and, and the pitcher. They were and trying to grab go down. I think Strickland Morse and Strickland stepped the- back to avoid a punch <laughs> and they just met just like an outfield collision. And their heads just bounced right off each other 
and there's this one moment, if you freeze it, where there's just hair flying everywhere. <laughs> and then you can see Harper in the foreground with his hair flying everywhere. Huh. It looked like an 80s metal band. Yeah, it was an interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting scuffle. You know, I think what's become painfully apparent to all of us, Jack, is your uh, your unrequited love for Buster Posey and how it's now turned <laughs> sour. I, you know, it first it was the reverence for Buster Posey and how, boy, I'd love to have, I'd love to be able to take Buster out or, you know, have him on my team. <laughs> and then when that wasn't possible, you were so hurt. I, that's the word I would use to describe I, it. And, and you were so hurt and bitter and you just couldn't believe he was so upset that that Buster would be cast aside for, you know, the mere Jose Altuve's of the world. And now we've come full circle where you hate him and, and you're, you're distancing yourself from he's him. He's let me down. I mean, it, he's God, let me down. just he's let, let man go through the, embrace your grief. It's okay. You know, we're all here for you, man. In, in Jack's defense, I will say I've never seen a catcher behave that way before in a fight. I, I just pulled up the video. He still had his helmet on after the fight. Yep. He didn't even take his helmet off. Wait, I thought he threw his helmet. No, Posey. No, he's talking Posey. about Posey. 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 He didn't, didn't, even, he didn't pull oh, his fucking Posey. mask up. He, he, he's Posey out there. Posey wears like that motorcycle fucking helmet. That he, he was in full with, gear. You know? right. That he's is so hockey helmet. I don't know, And then man. he runs up to the pile. He kind of shifts to the left a little bit. He shifts to the right a little bit. <laughs> well, that's because there were people that were in any. danger of falling on his feet. What was the what was the score when he did this? I mean, was this? I mean, two to nothing. He threw it in with a two to nothing game in the the mid innings. Yeah. Wow. So what's the over under on uh, additional retaliatory acts between the two teams the rest <laughs> of the season? How many of them, you mean? You know, we should uh, take odds on that. If Harper's on my team, absolutely you have to retaliate. I, I mean, you can't you can't let other teams think they can just throw at Harper and nothing's going to no, happen. No, and especially since that was not his fault. He, he did not provoke that reaction at all. Hey, Greg, you got to be worried about what they're going to do to McCutcheon tomorrow night after after what he did tonight. What? What He hit, he hit a game walk-off homer? What are they going to do? And then they did the choreographed celebration oh, at, yeah, at home plate. Sure. Somebody's getting hit tomorrow. <laughs> Now I'm sure at this point they all they all take pity on Kutch and they don't begrudge him a little little joy in his life. He has so little left. <laughs> what about the other ten guys standing there? So, gentlemen, as you can see, I'm I am uh, I'm donning my Phillies gear today for the. Um, this is slowly becoming an annual situation. We have taken over as the absolute worst team in professional baseball. Uh, we are now 17 and 31. Oh. We have uh, we have uh, two, I believe, two starting pitchers uh, with earned run averages below five, and um, and I believe we have one batter hitting uh, 300. So we are not good, uh, and it's not going to change anytime soon. It's going to be a a gloomy, gloomy season in Philadelphia this year. You should trade for Cameron Rupp for your team. <laughs> I wouldn't. I own a Philly, and uh, oh, actually, I own a couple of them thanks to Mike, that son of a bitch. And uh, and I wouldn't start him to save my fucking life right now. What about Darren Dalton? Was they he are. more handsome than Ben Tandy? Uh, he might. Ben Intendi, dude. Ben oh, Intendi. Dalton was uh, Dalton was banging uh, Hooters uh, calendar models. Oh, they're tough to get. Um, those Hooter girls. I can say, hopefully not, not the a, same, not not same ones George Brett was. We're talking oh. national here. We're talking oh. national. Um, the uh, so I, <laughs> I was just She's pointing the out head again, the Phillies thirteen and a half games back now, 
uh, in a division where second place is uh, eight and a half back. We had talked about the the Nationals running away with it, and third and eight and a half ahead of the second place uh, Mets right now. Sounds like Tebow time. Do you guys hear about Tiger Woods? Why the fuck does that guy call Uber? Or order an Uber. Bad decision making. But still, he's got millions of dollars, so it's hard to have too much sympathy for him. I mean, he really went from king of the world, uh, you know, in the shit pile, like overnight, like pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Like everything fell apart from the best of his life is probably past him now. That's got to be tough. Well, that's sad if that's true. And I'm not saying that I disagree with you, but, you know, he's not a pauper. He he could certainly go buy an island and and live in a fortified mansion for the rest of his life. He actually basically has an island. Externally. The best of his life has has gone, but yes, he could absolutely. Yeah, you give me that kind of money, and I, no matter what I've done so far, I I could probably have a pretty good fucking life. So yeah, no offense. My first step would be to leave Florida. You know, right. uh, yeah, if, exactly. if, I'm a, if I'm a near billionaire, I'm not uh, staking myself to Florida for Christ's sake. Come on. Yeah, but you're assuming that money is really what, I mean, think about it. This guy was such a competitor for so much of his life. Everything that he, he was able to acquire, right, was based on his his ability to compete at a super high level. He's wired that way. I mean, what about being the fucking best golfer on the planet Earth and then not having that anymore? I mean, just it's well, all gone. Like, yeah, okay, consolation prize. I don't have to worry about money. Got it. But is money really what drove him? I doubt it. You know, the bad decisions were going on then, so it's just a, <laughs> it's just a matter of of what was exposed and when. So uh, this isn't the first time. Tiger, if you're listening, dude, uh, just download the Lyft or Uber apps. It's, it's super fucking easy. There's multiple opportunities now. Yes. Do Do you think he at some point comes forth with that wonderful uh, that wasn't me? excuse where, where he says I, i'm sorry that wasn't me i i don't normally do things like that well if it wasn't you who the hell was it yeah He's gonna we be with dr drew and and appear on oprah and talk about it yeah again this isn't the first negative thing we've learned about the dude he, he he's been in these situations before we we learned all kinds of stuff we it is him actually it's, <laughs> it's very much him. <laughs> actually they took fingerprints they know it's him well, he has access to John Daly, for God's sakes. You'd think he'd ask him for some tips on, you know, how to avoid these situations. <laughs> has John uh, Daly ever had a DUI? I'm sure he, God, I would, I, I don't know, but I would, uh, I would put Jack's house up on the line and say that he must have multiple DUIs. I can't or, or maybe he's the one that's smart enough not to get in, in a car and drive. No, but when I typed in John Daly DUI, it said, uh, golfer John Daly detained after passing out drunk at Hooters. <laughs> See? I, so obviously him and uh, Tiger run together. Yeah. But so, somehow, I guess because John's not as good, he manages yeah. to keep that out of the news. don't think I John Daly's see. run anywhere on purpose in his life. Well, the last thing I saw on John Daly was him uh, hitting like 500-yard tee shots off of beer cans. He, he, he smashed these drives, and he opened up the beer and, and chugged it down. A couple of things. John Daly once threw out $55,000 out of car window just to make a point. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What was the point? Uh, the point of throwing $55,000. He didn't 55, care about that he's dollars. stupid? I mean, that he's a gluttonous moron? I mean, what was the point? Man, what the fuck is up with you today, man? Like, dude, <laughs> this is a human being, for Christ's sake, man. He's fucking... <laughs> God damn. <laughs> 
He's, I mean, what is the he's point? Fucking got I, some I want shit to know to what deal uh, with for Christ's sake, thinking. dude. Uh, he won fifty-five like grand. John this, Daly for the record. Uh, <laughs> so here's a quote from John Daly. I won like fifty-five thousand in the casino, and I said to his to Sherry's wife, "If you're going to yell and scream at me about this, I threw it over the bridge, uh, going over to Memphis from Arkansas. I threw all the money out the car and said, you know that, you know what? If you want that money, you can go find it. But tell, let me tell you something." You don't have a job. You're not working. I'm supporting you. I'm paying the bills. Boy, he does sound like a piece of shit. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> uh, I was wrong to, to impugn your character. You know, actually, you know, the reason I'm sympathetic to John Daly is actually I heard an interview uh, of John Daly and just learned about his childhood. And this fucking guy had to deal with a lot of shit. And just how he came to golf was super strange. And, um, you know, he's an alcoholic, man. He's 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 he's. He's fucking. He's got a disease. It's he's fucking. He's alcohol. doing all right. He's in the public eye. He can take this criticism. You know, I think this is valuable public service uh, messages for the youth of our, of our country. You know, there's people who we for you know the society forgives, and then there's ones who we just cannot get over, and we we can you know we continue to dislike, and it's it's the the level of contrition. You know, nobody's gonna like a Rod. You know, nobody's gonna like Roger Clemens. Nobody's going to like bonds because because they kind of thumb their nose. There's no evidence that they have any regrets. They're they're not contrite. But you know, like John Daly or Marv Albert, you know, or, or people who who. Uh, no wait, now Marv Albert's a sick fuck. Well, well, okay, maybe I don't know Marv Albert all that well. You know, but there there are athletes who who make mistakes who seem to genuinely learn from it, or maybe they just have better media coaches who the fuck knows you know like anyone in our, our, our life can forgive a lot of shit if somebody seems genuinely remorseful and sorry for it tim it you have a track record at this point in your, of, of your life if something came out about you as a public figure depending on what sort of public figure you are people are going to say well he did that when he was 20 he's 50 you know or whatever it is you know, there, there's a big difference between tiger woods going out last night and getting hammered and deciding it was a great idea to drive home. He he said it was prescription drugs that it wasn't. Well, that drink. Regardless, there's a warning on your damn drug right, package right. that you, <laughs> says right. don't operate a motor vehicle. Well, that's a good point too, Joe. And is does it matter what the transgressions are? You know, it, sure you know, does. Ray Rice. You know that that's violence towards a woman. Where yeah, Lance Armstrong he cheated at a game. Bonds they cheated at a game. Um, Tiger, he's out there driving drunk, endangering the public's life. It's not just about the dignity of a sport. It's about, you know, assaulting another human being, committing a crime, you know, because taking performance enhancing drugs isn't a crime or, you know, maybe it is now, but it's just, uh, it's just bad sportsmanship, you know, whereas drunk driving or assault, um, you know, obviously those are criminal acts. And then there's also the factor of, if Ray Rice can still run for 2,000 yards and, and yeah. score 30 touchdowns, somebody would be paying him to do it, regardless of what he's done. Coming up, I had a chance to catch up with Jack 24 hours after the Harper-Posey discussion and get his thoughts, see if uh, any of the news stories coming out about Posey's decision has changed his mind. So I think you'll enjoy hearing his thoughts on that. Sit down. Bitch, sit down. Me humble. Sit down. Who that nigga thinking that he frontin' 
Archer told him to let him come? Is that what? <laughs> That's it's weird because Greg said that last night, and I was like, no way, dude! Like the the, the you know, and Posey's not going to let that happen, right? And in a, I mean, they're still in the game. Why on earth would he do it? The pitcher's publicly saying, I you know, I didn't I didn't mean to hit him. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> did you see them carrying him off the fucking field afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that he didn't mean to hit him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have had this sort of you're like a fucking pissed off wife that just fucking <laughs> takes it, stores it, and holds it. <laughs> There's no fucking way. That's the um yeah, that's that 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 honestly is probably the the most ridiculous of all the comments I've heard is that it, he he accidentally hit him, dude. Uh, it just it made no sense, but I still think Posey looked really bad, and 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 he was out, so I didn't I haven't really heard much, but it was up there saying you know Posey saying that uh, he didn't want to get in the way of of Harper. <laughs> He didn't want to get in the way of any fucking thing. He was literally the last person to 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 move into the area. There were fucking fans that were closer <laughs> to the fight than fucking Buster Posey was. I mean, I've seen some guys dodge some situations, you know, being from South Florida. I've seen Dan Marino pretend to try to tackle a guy that intercepted <laughs> a pass once or twice. And, and I have... Uh, you know, no respect for, for it in general, but at least in different levels, it's acceptable. This one, I mean, I'm trying to think of a less acceptable situation. You're, you're, you're a catcher and you just, I, I mean, the guy didn't fucking move. No, you said it. There was one picture. It looked like it was taken from the stands where it, you, you know, you're, you're up in the upper decks and you can see Harper <laughs> and Strickland are fighting and Posey is literally standing behind the plate. The umpire isn't even there. Yep, I'm not sure exactly what it was he thought he was doing at that point. But uh, again, you know, it was even after both benches cleared and like to see that overhead view because <laughs> you see a pile of fucking people at the mound and then one dude over. Who's that guy with the fucking mask on standing over there in the fucking corner? Oh, that's Buster fucking Posey. In full yeah. armor. Right in full yeah. armor. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anybody should have been able to run up there and dive the <laughs> fuck in. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got fucking uh, fucking Morse coming across the fucking field full fucking speed, literally slamming into. Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Slamming into the. Yeah, those guys needed a fucking mask with the pads on. Meanwhile, the one guy on the field the detective is sitting oh, back dude. watching with, from a hey, fucking hey, telescope. Type of motherfucker that'll check the check, do the math, I ain't never getting right. Those margaritas not going on my car. I ain't about to split a damn thing for convenience sake. I'm at the restaurant working that way. Hold up, you ain't heard a little day, young elder Jew biz major. Fuck you know about the world he raised in. I've been saving money since a motherfucker 13. I wear the same pair of jeans every day. Three sandwiches, homie, two steps away. Book flight December, but I leave in May. Drug 
Vibes are generic, but still work the same. I get logins for Netflix for my cousin Greg. Thanks, Greg. You take the extra coffee off, I might get loud unless you... Oh, it was just an accident? You didn't even mean to... You didn't even... That was... That's so... I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> 